What I want to give you is a framework to understand what Mandated Reporter is, how that works, and what you need to do. And then, if you've got individual questions, how to seek help for that. Because ultimately, we want to make sure that the people who are in our care are safe. Welcome to the Church Council Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Story. I'm an attorney who specializes in church law, and I want to invite you along the journey as we explore my years of volunteering, working for, and then acting as legal counsel for the local church. During each episode, we will examine one of the three essential parts of building a secure church, your foundation, the framing, and the facade, where the foundation is your church's core beliefs, the framing is your operational structure, and the facade is the outward connectivity to your members and guests. Using this framework. We hope to simplify church law and proactively protect the minister's ministry and mission of your church and prepare you along the way for handling the unexpected events as they arise. Welcome back, church. Thank you for joining us today. Is we're gonna honestly, we're gonna talk about one of the stickiest issues that you may face in your church. This is an issue that I get asked multiple times per week how do we deal with this? And oftentimes we have to kind of run through a framework. What are we talking about today? We're talking about mandated reporters. Mandated reporters are simple. This is someone that the law basically decides has to report any kind of abuse or neglect issues. And we'll talk about what that means here shortly. But what I want to do today is not give you exactly what the law is in every state, because honestly, that's impossible. Every state is a little bit different. Whether you're in my state of Arkansas, whether you're in the the Southeast or the Northwest, those laws, honestly, they vary. And what I want you to understand is while the people who may be mandated reporters in any given state may change, if you're listening to this, you probably understand you are or are not a mandated reporter in your state. What I want to give you is a framework to understand what mandated reporter is, how that works, and what you need to do. And then if you've got individual questions, how to seek help for that. Because ultimately, we want to make sure that the people who are in our care are safe. If we've got an issue, we want to address that. And we need to be able to do that. So my goals for this really are to look at this in three different ways. And so we're going to introduce a mini-series that's dealing with the mandated reporter issue. And the first one simply is going to be, what is a mandated reporter? And that's dealing with today. We are also going to look at the priest penitent privilege. And this is a sticky situation where if you are a uh, pastor, a minister, um, the priest, so to speak, you are going to have potentially some separate rules and how those rules apply in mandated reporter world and and just in general. And then uh, for our third part to the miniseries, it really will be direct application of mandated reporter to priest penitent privilege in in the sticky situations, which we're going to find ourselves in. So those are going to be a lot of, uh, 
a lot of sticky issues that we're going to unpack together. And hopefully, this kind of gives you a place to go. Now, in our framework that we like to, to kind of fill in here, this really falls in the foundational. When we start talking about the foundational and the framing, this is how your church operates. We need to make sure that policies and procedures are in place when we're dealing with mandated reporters. So, if you don't have those, this is the time to really look at how we're going to apply those. So, this is an episode to make sure that the leadership in your church is going to properly uh, educate people who are mandated reporters within your church, and that we are going to have some clear policies and procedures on how we're going to do that. That's going to come directly from your state's law. I mean, this isn't a complicated deal. You're not going to have to figure everything out. So we're, we're falling in the framing category today as we go into this first part of mandated reporters. Thanks for listening to the Church Council Podcast. If your church needs assistance with its foundation, framing, or facade, call the Church Council, a law firm for churches brought to you by the story law firm, PLLC. Visit churchcouncil.com or call 1-877-273-3830. Whether your church bylaws need an update or you need policies and procedures reduced to writing, Let the Church Council be your trusted legal source. Visit churchcouncil.com today. And now, here's Travis. So, as we dive into the world of mandated reporters, we have to first say, who is a mandated reporter? Now, what I want you to understand is, in every state, there is going to be a mandated reporter statute, and that is going to give specific people who are mandated reporters. So, point number one is the specific people are called out as mandated reporters, and that is the only people who are mandated by law to report some type of abuse. If you are not listed, then you are not a mandated reporter. You may have a moral obligation to see something and say something and call, and you obviously can do that. If you see or suspect somebody is being abused, a child is being abused, uh, or, or even there is such a thing as elder abuse, a lot of times we don't think of that. But if you feel as somebody is being abused, uh, I would argue to you that it's your moral duty to report that, and there is a way to do that. Every state has a phone number to call that's individual to the state. There is also a um, nationwide number now, uh, 1-800-4-A-CHILD, that you can call, and that would get you to the right place no matter where you are in the country. So, if you don't know uh, what your state's number is, the 1-800-4-A-CHILD number would work. That's a a national uh, abuse hotline, so you can call that number. Um, There's also... There's also just uh, a lot of options that you can call or text in or make an online report, and those are options too. So, when you see something, know that there is a way to report that. The reporting is anonymous, so you get to go in, give your report, you will give your name, but when you do this, that allows uh, everybody to go and to start an investigation into whether or not these allegations are true, ultimately to make sure that the person who is needing help is getting help. And so that is where we're going to start. When we look at who is required to disclose, 
The only people required to disclose are those specifically named in your state's your state statute on mandated reporters. For example, physicians are generally uh, included in every state. Teachers included in every state. Guidance counselors, things like that. If you are one of those people who generally holds some position of authority, position of influence, uh, is licensed or is uh, obligated by the state to be a mandated reporter, then you should know, one, what you're looking for, and two, you've got to understand what you would do if somebody comes up to you and discloses something that needs to be reported. So what happens if you don't? Well, if you don't report something and you're a mandatory reporter, there are civil and criminal penalties if you fail to report this. Now, one thing we talk a lot about is ultimately protecting your church, the ministry. So there's two different things to understand here. Most states do have something to do and do have an area that we're going to say pastors or clergy are mandated reporters. So that is an individual obligation of the pastor or the clergy to report. This is not a church obligation. Now, I think it's incumbent on your church to make sure that everybody in your church who is a mandated reporter has the education, who knows how to do a report, what to do if something were to arise. That is something that you need to train all of your people on if they're required to actually disclose. But the church itself is not an actual mandated reporter. So what are we reporting when we're dealing with this? We are reporting abuse, neglect, and this can come in the form of both children, those under 18. It also comes with those typically over the age of 65. This is elder abuse. And when we look at the types of abuse, this is what often throws people for a loop, is we all think of, oh, somebody's being sexually molested, right? There's sexual abuse. Somebody's being physically abused. They, they show up, they've literally got bruises on their body. Somebody might be mentally abused, which means they're, they're going through a, um, a time where they're mentally being abused at home, they're being yelled at, they're being cut down, and, and that puts them in a very vulnerable um, situation. But one of the areas we, we don't pay enough attention to is the neglect factor. And this neglect, I do think, shows up in churches. I had to walk a church through actually reporting neglect for not feeding their children. And so what happened was when the preschool director is trying to figure out what to do, this child was coming to Sunday morning services and they'd have snack time and this child was ravenous. They, they acted like they hadn't eaten. And what we figured out is they hadn't. Their parents were not feeding the child. And that was an actual report of child abuse because they were neglecting the child. This is something where somebody's leaving a, a child in, in a car, for example. That's neglect. Somebody's not doing what they should do as their parent. That's potential neglect. We've got somebody who is 
abusing them. They are physically abusing them, verbally abusing them. Any of those things are maltreatment that requires disclosure. When does it require disclosure? It requires disclosure for anybody who is a minor. That means 18, on the day of your 18th birthday, you are no longer required to disclose something. That means if we've got an elderly person who is not able to function as well as maybe they were in the past, they can't actually report this uh, themselves, this is the time that we've got to come alongside and we've got to make sure they're getting help. Sometimes this happens um, in our, you know, ministries that are serving our our elder statesmen in the church if they're at a nursing home those those kind of things could um, suspect suspected abuse could happen there and so those are the kind of things that we need to pay attention to so what do you do if you're a mandated reporter and you've got any kind of suspicion that something's happening well that's generally all the law requires is you have a good faith suspicion, a reasonable belief, it sometimes says, that there's abuse or neglect happening. If that's the case, it is your job to call and report it. Now, what does that mean you do not do? You are not the investigative arm. So specifically, you do not have to go and you do not have to figure all this out. That is not your role. That's for uh, Department of Human Services, DHS. That is for um, whatever whatever the entity is in your state that's tasked with investigating those things. It's their role to come in and investigate. Your job is merely to raise the flag and to report it. So one of the things that I have to discourage churches from doing is trying to be the investigative arm, trying to go in here and figure out, oh, exactly what's happening and how do I know that and how do I prove that? Well, the answer is that's not your job. Your job is not to prove anything. Your job is to report what you believe to be abuse. And so if you are questioning that in your mind, ooh, I don't know if this is or isn't. Well, the answer is step one is to call it in. When you call it in, they're first going to make a determination about what you're saying. And if that, if proven true is generally the standard, if, if what you're telling me is true, would that actually rise to a level of being abuse of whatever kind we're talking about? And then the question is, if that's found true, they will accept your report, and that's typically when they will actually issue uh, somebody or send somebody out to do a general one-on-one investigation. So, what is your what is your job not to do? Your job is not to try to interview everybody. One of the things I encourage everybody we talk through is if you are suspecting that something is is happening and you've got the person in front of you who is telling you that, get on the phone, um, call the hotline say, hi, this is Travis Story. I'm a mandated reporter and I'm here with so-and-so and they've just reported to me that they are experiencing this. If you can, put them on the phone. Let them talk to uh, the trained professional on the phone. That is one of the fastest ways to do it. Don't um, try to get all the facts. Don't try to investigate. 
specifically, we can actually cause harm by trying to ask too many questions because sometimes we start planting language or thoughts inside this person's mind that aren't necessarily even true. So we want to make sure that when we're bringing up these issues, we're just listening, reporting what we're hearing, and then to the best of our ability, either getting somebody on the phone or uh, making the report and letting somebody come in and do the actual investigation. So once you've made a call, where do we go from there? The answer, and most of you aren't going to like this, is nowhere. Once you've made the, the call, you've reported this, you have fulfilled your obligation. Now, oftentimes, um, we're nosy. We want to know how things worked out. We want to know all these things. And absent a uh, investigator calling you or following up or doing something along those lines, you may not ever know what happened because they're not going to keep you updated. They're not going to run things by you. They are not going to <laughs> give you a whole lot of information because once you've made the determination to call, you've made the report, you have fulfilled your obligation. You have done the mandated reporting, as it were, and now you are leaving that in somebody else's hands. So it is not your job at that point to continue to follow up other than to do what we would normally do in a ministerial capacity. So if we know somebody's hurting, we know somebody needs to be taken care of, that's the time to love on them. That's the time to go down that road. But your job is not to continue to try to follow up with the investigation to find out more. Uh, your job is not to interview the potential abuser. Uh, these are not things that you are supposed to do. So once you have made the phone call, you have reported what you believe, you have done everything that the law has required. You have satisfied the obligation of being a mandated reporter. Now, you may not like that answer, but that is the answer. What happens if the investigator comes back and needs more information from you, wants more information? Maybe you have some video. Maybe you have... Uh, some, somebody said something to you, a text message, a photo, any of those things. These are key things to always know. You may be asked by an investigator for those pieces of evidence which you've already collected. One of the things I highly encourage, especially uh, children's ministries to have, is to have an actual old-fashioned digital camera, meaning not your phone. Because one of the things that I want to be able to do is if we have an abuse situation and we need to document any of those things or we're, we've got to uh, do an incident report or any of those sort of things, uh, we want you to have a separate place to record those, not on somebody's phone. It's oftentimes hard to get somebody's phone, uh, to get pictures off of somebody's phone, especially when it's a volunteer. Somebody comes to us, they're a volunteer in one of our classrooms, and they, they show us a picture and say, hey, this bruise that's on uh, this child's forehead, I think, that's, I think that's a problem. Well, realize that that picture's now on their phone. You don't have control over that. It's a, it's a bigger issue to sometimes get that off, and so we really don't want to end up with things like that floating out 
there. We want a central registry um, to make sure we have that, and then make sure that all of that is compiled when we do have pieces of evidence. I helped a church the other day. They actually had some um, some video footage from the, the kids' area that they were trying to use. That's a separate piece of information that they could give to the investigator. When they do that, you're typically not going to submit that. When you submit the report, you're going to provide the investigator those uh, types of information later. Now, one of the things that I get asked oftentimes is what about third-party disclosures? This is specific to understanding what is and is not required under a mandated reporter. What happens when somebody comes in and they tell you that so-and-so is being abused? Do you have to report it? Well, the answer is no. If somebody's aunt comes and tells you that they're pretty sure that so-and-so child is being abused by, let's say, an in-law or something like that, is that a mandated reporter report you have to make? Well, the answer is no, because it's a third-party disclosure. You are being, you are one step removed. You've been told by somebody that something may be happening. Do you have an obligation under the law to report that? No. What would I do? I would have them actually go and report it because they've seen it. Anybody can do a report under the mandated reporter law, so it's not uh, limited only to those people who are actually. Uh, deemed in the law to be a mandated reporter, anybody can make the report. I would have them make the report because they're the ones who've witnessed it. It's not your responsibility to say, oh, so-and-so told me that so-and-so said that so-and-so. It's too many layers. So third-party disclosures are not required. One of the things that we'll talk about in the priest penitent uh, issue or uh, episode that's coming up is simply what happens if the person who is the abuser may uh, is actually causing the abuse may come to you and confess something or say something. Is that a mandated reporter issue? Well, the answer is no. That's a confession by somebody potentially. Whether or not we're going to be able to disclose that, we'll talk about that in the priest penitent section. But that is not a mandated reporter to say, hey, the child uh, told me something, but that is something that needs to be reported. Who do we report that to? We report that actually to the legal authorities because that is somebody who is confessing something to us. And so that's an entirely different way that that should be reported. Sometimes people call and they'll call into the mandated reporter hotline and give that information. And in reality, that's better than nothing. But is that the, the right answer? The answer is no, because this is not somebody coming to us seeking help. That's what a mandated reporter statute is trying to provide, is an outlet for a minor child or somebody who may not be able to do it themselves, like an elderly individual, to come to somebody of authority, somebody of trust, and they are looking for a way to make sure they can get help. That's what this is about. So, how do we put this in practice? If you are a person who knows that they are a mandated reporter, I encourage you to make sure you know, put in your cell phone, the mandated reporter hotline for your state. If not, put in the national uh, child child abuse hotline, which is one 800 
for a child. 1-800-422-4453. This is the fastest way to make sure somebody gets help. Put this in your phone. If you are a person who knows you're a mandated reporter and you've got somebody who comes in uh, who's telling you something and you are are pretty sure that they are being abused in one of the ways we talked about it, when should you file this report? Well, the answer is immediately. We need to file this as soon as possible. If it's somebody who's in physical imminent danger, meaning they are with somebody, uh, you know, you're a you're a worker, you're the director of the preschool ministry, and you believe that this child is in immediate physical danger when this person comes to pick them up, that's the actual time to call 911. This isn't to start an investigation. If we think they are in grave danger somehow uh, from whatever they told us or, or whatever that is, that may be a phone call to 911 and then also call the, the child abuse hotline. So I would do both in that situation. If you are a pastor, if you are a church leader, and you know that you have people who are serving in your ministry, their paid child care for uh, Kids Day Out, Mother's Morning Out, any of those type of um, programs, they're probably going to be a mandated reporter. What should you do? Well, first, make sure that we're training them. They need to know how to call. They need to know that they have the freedom to call. This is an individual obligation on their part, not of the church. So they don't have to bring this to some specific person in the church to make a phone call. If they are an individual mandated reporter, they actually have the obligation to call themselves. And so we need to make sure they know what to do, they know how to call, and they ultimately know what to or not to say that would influence um, the person who's ultimately having the report made about them. So once we have those those things understood by all of our staff, all of our people who are mandated reporters, then we've got to make sure that they understand how to make the phone call. And then once they've made the phone call, what I would encourage them to do is to provide you the case number. Uh, If you file it online, you're going to get a confirmation number. These are numbers that it's good for you as the church to have because this proves that somebody uh, in your ministry made the phone call. They reported the abuse. Why is that important? Later on, if somebody comes back and says, hey, your church knew about this, they should have known about this, whatever the situation is, then we have documentary evidence that said, yes, we suspected that and we made that phone call. And here's the confirmation number we got. Now, that does not mean that the investigation uh, proves true. That does not mean that the investigators necessarily follow up on every single thing. If they've deemed it not to be a true report, then that's something that they can do. And then once you've done the reporting, well, then you are off, off the hook as far as the civil or criminal penalties go. So make the report, make it immediately, make sure that you know how to make the report and and what number to call, what website uh, to go visit. And once you've done that, then you are prepared to make a mandated reporter should the need arise. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Church Council Podcast. I've been your host, Travis Story. I truly hope that the practical takeaways from today's episode is something that will bless and protect your ministry. If you found today's discussions helpful and want to be updated as we publish new content, please subscribe so that you're notified as new episodes become available. Also, if you found that today was worthy of your time, please leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice so that other ministries can find and be blessed by this content. Until next time, keep serving and protecting your ministry. Ministries.